Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, Chris, we're talking uh, on a kind of a an off-the-wall topic today yeah. about something that I think we know exists in the diesel industry, mm-hmm. but and I think we even talk and make a lot of jokes about it, but sometimes we forget how real it is of okay. people wanting to prove something. Uh, in an industry where it's uh, male-dominant, right? That's just a second nature for, for guys, I would say. You know, in the office, we always refer to that big swinging D reference. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, it, and it is exactly that. They have something to prove to their friends. You know, everyone's going to always know someone that has something that's faster or more powerful or more badass, lifted higher, bigger tires, bigger truck, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I would say in this industry, everyone Every guy that I talk to, to some degree, has something to prove. Yeah, and it's funny. Sometimes it's just as simple as like, oh, well, my neighbor's truck is a little bit better. Oh, my buddy's truck is a little bit better. I just want to beat this one guy. Or, oh, I hate that asshole at the sled poles. And we see that happen a lot. And today's do's and don'ts from Exergy kind of wrap around a story that's that's just like that. So I'm going to run through this quick uh, hypothetical story, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Cool. On my way home, I found myself next to an older Mustang being driven by a young man. Stickers all over the back window, music loud enough to rattle the doors off, and he looks over me at the light and he kind of laughs, which just drives me nuts. I mean, my first instinct is, I, I gotta say something clever to this guy, make fun of his appearance or make fun of his car, but, but I refrained. Instead, I settled into my seat put both hands on the wheel, did the classic two revs to get his attention. Then, the international car race nod. He knew it was on. My right foot holding the brakes, my knee locked while I worked the throttle until I had about 15 pounds of boost built. My eyesight narrowed as the RPMs of the LML sang. My knuckles flexed as I gripped the wheel tighter, watching the cross traffic light go to yellow. I came up on a little bit more boost. At this point, I don't know if the punk next to me was too wet behind the ears to know what was about to happen, but I was going to crush this rookie. In the first 60 feet, he wouldn't be looking at anything but my tailgate when he rode his little pony home. Then, right as the light flickered, that first bit of green, my one-year-old woke up in the back, started crying, which woke up my wife, who in less than a second assessed the situation with our kid crying and the guy in the Mustang next to me and promptly said, what do you have to prove? I've been in pretty much this situation, Chris. I don't know about you. No, I, re- I refrain. Uh, I, I, Shut I up. I fucking rodent with you. Not when I have a kid in the car. It's a different story. <laughs> getting getting that, that kid next to you or getting that guy next to you or that ricer next to you, whatever it is that, that really gets your goat and then... And, and having that feeling come over you of, like, I got to race him. Yeah. I don't care if my truck is stock. I don't care if I have triple turbos. I'm driving it like it's a 1,000 horsepower. Yeah. Um, and so often we see that right before catastrophic failure. <laughs> How many guys do you know that had a, a leaky injector and it was kind of bad or it was, it was noticeable, it was just starting to go bad, and then – they had one of these scenarios, and all of a sudden, it's a very expensive repair. Yeah, yeah. Um, maturity at its finest. Everyone's been through this once or twice in the diesel industry, car industry, industry as a whole, whatever. Um, 
I'm starting to have an issue, but it still runs just fine. I, I have the money. I don't want to spend it right now. I'm just going to milk it a little longer. It, it happened to me with my 07 Cummins, yeah. you know, and uh, the injector finally stuck open, took out the motor. And I already had injectors. Like, I already had <laughs> injectors sitting on the shelf, and I was just too lazy to swap them out. So, you know, uh, again, we've all been in this scenario where we push the truck further than it needs to go, reliability-wise, or... We find a guy in a car or a truck or whatever that situation may be next to you, and you just you have to prove a point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are times to prove a point, and there are times not to prove a point. Not with your wife and kid in the car. That's probably a time where you don't have anything to prove. Um, <laughs> then again, fuck it, when in Rome. <laughs> right, well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Sometimes that passion comes over you. You know, the, the kids sleep and the wife sleep and yep. you, you, this guy just laughed at your truck or laughed at you being old in your truck, whatever yep. it was. And, and you, you get really caught up into this very immediate microsecond of time. Yeah. Um, and, and then in in an instant yeah it, it's it's all like all of a sudden you wake back up and you're like oh shit my kid is in the car yeah i yeah. am at a stoplight next to a 16 year old who doesn't have enough money to pay for insurance yeah. much less god forbid he wrecked next to me all these things start coming back to you with with a little bit of time i think the the flip side of that too is is you know we could spin this in a different direction of you don't always know what the guy next to you has either you sure because there's a lot of situations i went to a a cruise night last week in my car and there were guys with the diesel trucks coming up, and, and they appreciated the car. You know, can you pop the hood? Can you look at the stuff? And they didn't realize I knew more about their truck than they knew about their truck. <laughs> but then they start to assess me. They see the work pologs. They came from work, and they start asking questions. And, you know, all these different topics of discussion came about where they weren't judging because of that. They wanted to know more because of being, whether it's a knowledge leader or the experience or whatever the case may be. So, guys, when you are lining up to someone... It could At be a Chris Emke driving a ricer. It could be me, or it, you know, <laughs> times growing up, DJ the head tech at the shop. We used to go out and go cruising in our trucks years ago, just to find WS6 Trans Ams and Corvettes and Mustangs, just to beat them up. Right. And this is when in our area the diesel scene was starting to kind of boom. So these guys had an idea, but they didn't know exactly to what extent. Then you beat them, and every excuse in the book at the next light, like, oh, I missed the shift. Oh, I didn't know you were actually going to go. Motherfucker, you revved your engine. You were trying to launch the car. You screwed up, and you underestimated. That's it. So, you know, it's one of those things where whenever I talk to a guy on the phone, he's always talking about making more power, always talking about, again, something to prove. You're never going to be the fastest. You're never going to have the highest horsepower. And sometimes there might be a truck that might make just a little less horsepower but be set up better than you. And it's going to be faster on the street or at the track. Yeah. So there's more than just power that plays into this sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, big shout out to Exergy. Uh, they had an awesome booth over at UCC this year. Yeah. You know, shout out to Rob and Harv and the guys. You know what, dude? Just, they're always killing it. Book of knowledge. Great information. Their Cummins on the engine stand with the throttle and the standalone. Uh, oh, yeah. Dude, such a showstopper. Such an attention getter. So definitely awesome. Also, Kudos to them. Also, they sponsored a large portion of the field at UCC, yes, whether it was competitor or qualifiers. Yeah. Uh, so big shout out to them for that. Just the professional, uh, they're just a professional aura to them when you go to their, their booth or when you talk to them. They're yeah. very reserved, very laid back, knowledge leaders to say the least. Yeah, it's not like meeting Chris or I. <laughs> or you, you, yeah, for sure. Sorry to the guys at UCC that got to meet me. <laughs> I feel bad for you. Hey, you know what? I'm the best at disappointment, all right? My manager says it best. Shout out, Jamie. We're all good at something, Chris. Yeah. All right, uh, this week from Facebook, sponsored by WC Fab, bringing you the best traction bars 
single turbo kits and compound kits in the industry. Hell yeah. Uh, this one came from Jamie Molan. Molan? Moylan? Moylan? Maybe. I don't know. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> it says, I was just curious if you guys could talk a little bit about threaded injector cups for LB7s, and does this prevent a lot, I know it will never be perfect, of injector leaking into crankcase issues? Is this a viable option to extend the service life of a tow rig, not a race rig? If you're already pulling the motor for a rebuild or to do the injectors, wouldn't this be a good time to do it? You're already there. Or is it a race-only deal and not something for a tow vehicle? Okay. My general practice on this, I don't generally recommend screw-in injector cups. Um, This type of topic is generally where I fall back on my resources. Nick and Bob. Um, and my understanding, like this would be something when you start getting into a large injector, competition use, running higher pressures, that's when the screw in cups would be adequate. Now, I could be wrong. Well, well, okay, here. So, so you have a lot of stress on your general combustion, right. uh, rotating assembly when you're towing really heavy up a really heavy grade under really heavy conditions. It's kind of similar to the amount of stress that competition would put on a vehicle. Very true. Right? To a degree, yeah. Um, So it does depend on what you're towing. It depends on how often you're towing that. It depends on how hard you plan on working the truck. I am with you on this one, Chris. 99% of guys, I'd say anybody buying 30% over injectors or less, I would not coach you into threaded injector cups. Mm -hmm. If you already have the motor out for a motor build... Heads are already at the machine shop. Yeah, different, okay, different situation. I can see that. Uh, but we generally don't pull the motor to do inject. Well, most of the time we won't pull not, the motor to, to do, do injectors. injectors. Not to do um, injectors. Every once in a while, depending on what the other, the rest of the vehicle work is like, you know, that, <laughs> that may go somewhere else. Right. But, but yeah, for a general statement, I would say you're you're probably not going to gain very much. Um, injectors leaking into the crankcase can happen for a couple of reasons. Yes, uh, injector cups cracked injector cups could be one of those there are a lot of other reasons that you could end up getting oil uh in the crankcase therefore i would say this is probably not your best option yeah for sure uh but yeah again great uh performance from wc fab at ultimate callout challenge their booth was right across from ours we got to hang out with them all weekend uh chris i think you spent some extracurricular time with the wc fab crew after the show as well i spent a lot of extracurricular activity Activity and time with a lot of vendors. <laughs> uh, just for the way I just said that, you guys can clearly tell I'm still not up to par with my sleep schedule. So. That's right. And out of singles. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Recent divorcee, what can I say? Right, right. Uh, Diesel Insights, sponsored by DuramaxTuner.com. That's where Chris and I spend most of our time. Um, just put out a new one, Chris, on more rail pressure. Have you had a chance to watch that video yet? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did, Paul. Uh, it is actually a really good video. It I is. got to be in there while we were taping that one with Nick. Um, we hear so much about guys wanting more rail pressure, and I really thought about maybe combining this with like our exergy do's and don'ts for the right. for the week because there there were some really good do's and don'ts. Like when is rail pressure a good thing, yep. and when is it not? Because mm-hmm. we have spent a lot of time talking to guys about pressure boxes, and all they do is raise rail pressure, yep. and that's bullshit, right? Yeah. So, so this leads me into what are some of the good times that you would want to see increased rail pressure? I think increased rail pressure is going to come in hand in correlation to injector on time. Okay. Okay. So maximizing how that fuel is being utilized in the cylinder. Okay. Um, 
not to say like with a pressure box, they're not really changing the actual pulse width or injector non-time. They're maximizing the pressure, which is now more taxing on the injector. Yeah, exactly. So there's a difference between dynamic or custom tuning compared to a pressure box. That linear uh, type of increase, if you will. So if you have an LBZ Duramax, right, that factory commands 26,000 rail and you have a 150,000 mile truck stock injector built trans and you max out what we consider to be a a quote unquote maxed out injection on time, do you really go in, when you go into doing like a commanded higher rail pressure, if you have a pump to support the capacity, whatever the case may be, you're not going to command full rail pressure halfway into the truck's power curve when the injection on times half of what its max capacity is. Exactly. So it's all about being efficient and fluent with how the truck's going to operate and the dynamic the dynamic within that. That's so. right. That's right. Uh, this also led me into the most common question on Facebook for that video and uh, YouTube as well, which was, I have an LB7. Will I get more power from an LBZ fuel rail pressure? Oh, hell yeah. Do it. Send it. (laughs) Spend the money on it. No, 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 no. Or, yeah, the fuel pressure regulator, the fuel pressure, uh, the fuel rail sensor, guys. It doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. You need more fuel, not more fuel pressure. So there's a difference. Uh, There are right times, like Chris said, peak power applications when you already have a lot of fuel supply. Uh, Then using more rail pressure will help balance things out. High rail pressure during low timing events is going to cause injector rattle. Uh, And there's a lot of other times that higher rail pressure is not going to help you. Such as if you don't have enough fuel supply to use it. I think the big thing, too, that, you know, this is kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of tuning, but once we talk to a lot of guys about, you know, injector size, and Extra G, again, perfect reference to this. Um, Depending on the size of the injector, uh, rail pressure is is kind of associated with that bigger injector or higher rail pressure to help keep the characteristics of those injectors tame. That's right. So cleaner idle, cleaner burn throughout the power curve, that kind of thing. Well, that that's why we've seen the trend from OEMs increasing peak rail pressure yes. every revision of the Duramax. And the injectors but, are getting slightly bigger, getting into the LML, of course. Right. So absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, Chris, today it brings us to our time right now to uh, yeah. start bringing on our featured guest Talk here. Talk about something to prove, <laughs> to say the least. Calibrated Power Quick Shoutout sponsors our featured guest uh, segment every week on this show. Calibrated Power, making the show happen. Uh, check out their Stealth Turbos. Yeah, badass. Been there since day one with the Stealth line. Fly under the radar. Yeah. Stealth Turbos, love it. Uh, this week they have uh, managed to bring us... Uh, well, well, let's just say it's Frank Kupperman from RevMax. If you guys don't know Frank or don't know RevMax performance, pick up a book. Uh, 2017, they went to the UCC uh, with the in RevMax a two-wheel team. drive truck. In the two-dig. They drove it there, competed in all there. three events, and drove it home. With a 68 RFE. They didn't have a 47 or a 48 behind the, it. The only one in the competition yeah. with a 68. They brought it back. They did it again this year. Um we recorded this interview, just, just to be clear, we recorded this interview before UCC. Yes. Um, we are now recording the introduction, which you're hearing right now, after UCC. So we know what happened, 2018 UCC. Uh, we will be bringing you an update to this episode in the near future. For now, let's get Frank on the phone. Frank, how the hell are you? Good, guys. How are you guys doing over there? Doing great, doing great. Thank you so much for taking out some time for our listeners uh, to talk a little bit about, I believe, your second appearance at Ultimate Callout Challenge. 
Uh, thanks for having me on with you guys. I much, much appreciated. Not a problem, man. We we're really impressed. Last year you showed up, you drove your truck to the competition last year, right? Yeah, we drove it there and back last year. Uh, we were hoping to do the same thing this year, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have the truck ready in time to be able to drive it there is our issue. Oh, time. no. So, so you were one of, I think, two guys last year. You brought something a little different to the contest, being that it was a two-wheel drive truck instead of a four-wheel drive truck. Um, so for our listeners, tell us a little bit about the platform and what you're bringing this year. Uh, so the platform is somewhat unchanged. It's still our two-wheel drive 08 Ram 2500. Um, we still drive the truck all the time. However, uh, after UCC last year, we decided we need to bump the power a little bit. And being procrastinators like we are here, we start, decided to wait until two weeks for UCC to actually pull off that change. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and hence why right now we don't have a running truck as, as of today. Hey, man, you and almost every other competitor we've talked to at this point. So I don't think yeah. we've interviewed any competitors with a completed truck. Uh, some qualifiers. Yeah, not competitors, Paul. Yeah. No competitors. Yeah, for sure. And and just to be honest, uh, for our listeners, because this won't publish today, but we are recording seven days before UCC starts. <laughs> That's going on May 4th, 5th, and 6th in Brownsburg, Indiana. Um, and it is the 27th, yeah. just as a reference. Yeah. So so you are, you are down to the wire. What's left, man? What are you still working on? Well, uh, the turbos just got, the fabrication just got done uh, yesterday. Uh, truck hasn't even been tuned yet, uh, hasn't even started yet with the new turbo set. And we still have to perfect our new little thing that we're adding to our UCC truck and our 60 RP transmission line. Really? What's that? We are going to introduce the first ever 68 RP trans brake valve body. Whoa. Whoa, yeah. Whoa is right. Now, no manual, full manual valve bodies available in that transmission, correct? That is correct. Due to the, uh, uh, the, the non-synchronous shifting and the design of that valve body, that's not something that can be done. And this has been a ongoing R&D project of my own, my little pet project here, for about the past six months. And uh, it's been a lot of work and a lot of headache and a lot of heartache, but I think, we, uh, think we've got it. But we won't know until this truck runs. So it's, it's <laughs> not only do we have to worry about the truck running, we've got to get this valve, this trans brake figured out, too, at the same time. So tell us more about that. Uh, how does it work, and why would somebody need it? All right. So basically, the way a trans brake works on a 60 RFE or any other transmission is very simple. You bind up two clutches to basically stop the forward, forward or reverse movement of the vehicle. When you then release the one bound-up clutch, the vehicle accelerates. So what that does is it gives you basic, instead of trying to foot brake the truck and holding the truck back with the brakes of the truck, you're now holding it back with the bound-up transmission, and when you release that bound-up clutch, the truck just comes out of the hole hard as can be, and your 60-foot's improve, and you can actually really get on top of the turbos very, very quickly. Really? Okay, so that's a, that's a huge difference compared to how you were launching last year. You were foot braking it last year, right? Yeah, we were having a really hard time. We were trying to launch with uh, 35 pounds of boost, and our suspension was preloading, and our slicks were wrinkling before even launch. So making a hook was very, very difficult. So we're hoping this will actually get us where we finally want to be, which is a really good 60-foot and a really good time, you know, time down the track when we're all said and done. What are you shooting for? Have you set a goal for yourself for how fast you want to see it? If we're not in the nines, we're going to be really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> what kind and of- a 60 RFE in the nines, I don't think anyone 
would ever have dreamt that can be a possibility. No. That's what's so cool about this yeah. stuff. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So what kind of power, like what's the power goal this year? Walk us through a little bit of the power plant, turbocharger size, fuel setup. Like what do you got going on? Sure. So we, we've kept a lot of it unchanged. Um, last year at the end we had a little snafu with some return line issues when we changed our injectors at the last second. Um, which limited our power to, I think, right around 2,100 or 3,000 RPMs, and we made 1,000 horsepower when it cut out on us. Uh, we're doing the 300% over SNS injectors, dual-stroker CP3s, um, and then the air setup has changed a lot. Last year, we were a 472 over a 485, and this year we're now, that 485 has now moved to the manifold, and we're now running a GTX 5533R98 on the, uh, underneath it. Two-wheel drive's coming to party. <laughs> yeah, it's coming to party. So the the goal this year is going to be somewhere between fifteen to 1,700 horsepower. Okay. How do you think that's going to stack up? <laughs> How do you think that's going to stack up to the competition at the show? We know we are not going to be first place uh, with power. It's not even possible. Um, but what we're hoping is, is kind of the recipe we had last year is, we won't be number one in anything, but we're going to be very, very competitive in everything and make it the entire event. And hopefully have a pretty good, you know, finished place just like we did last year. Sure. Where did you guys come in last year? I think we were 11th last year, which is a surprise. Everyone counted us to be dead last. And we were nowhere near dead last. <laughs> well, I mean, you have a lot of things against you. You have a 68 RFE, a two-wheel drive truck. I mean... It's still street driven. It's, it's still not street you know driven. balls you drove out for it to, one thing. Yeah, you drove it to the track and, and you hoped to drive it back. I mean, there were a lot of obstacles that you created for yourself that you were able to prove, like, hey, I can overcome this. You know, we are a true contender in this. Yeah, and this year we're really just trying to step it up again. Um, we're hoping to be able to drive it home from there. Um, you know, last year we made it the entire weekend on one transmission, which I'm not sure anybody or if there were, there were only a couple of people that can say that they did that. Yeah, um, and this year we're hoping to do the same thing again with almost twice the power. Well, I guess I wonder that for some of the competitors like yourself, Frank. I mean, is coming in first place more important than making it through all three events on one transmission? Like, which one is a bigger feather in the cap for you and for RevMax? Uh, for RevMax, it would be absolutely one hundred percent to make it through in one transmission. Um, we would like to just be competitive and be, you know, in the top ten when we're all said and done with a street truck and and not have it blow up our goal is to get to the track do our do each event every day and then go home eat some dinner and go to bed not wrenching the truck not working the truck just put it away and get up the next morning that's you, just like last year we're hoping to do the same thing this year <laughs> you are literally the first person to have that response yeah like, everyone's like oh i don't want to break yeah but you literally have a game plan for when you get home <laughs> with the truck parked at the shop or in the garage or whatever wherever it is that you park it so that's really cool we have reserv- we have reservations for dinner every night so hopefully <laughs> <our> <laughs> <can't> work. <laughs> well it's a really it, it, it's a grounded goal to have i feel you know it it it's incredible that that's, that's a win for you guys, which is awesome. Yeah, so we just make it through the three days and are com- at least competitive um, and not break and, and do what we, what we did last year. We'll be very, very happy, especially with the power level that we're going for this year. Yeah. What do you think the, the biggest risk for you is this year going into the competition? Where do you think it, it could all fall apart? Uh, to be honest with you, I think it all fall, fall apart on day one on the drag race side of things. Uh, an untested setup, an untested trans brake, 
and uh, yeah, it could go ugly. The, fir- the first launch on the track could be real ugly. So we'll, we're, we're kind of dreading that first launch. That's where we think everything could go wrong. After that, it's going to be downhill from there, but that first launch is going to be a little scary. I- I'm surprised to hear that with the two-wheel drive in the sled pull. Um, how do you hope to stack up there in the dirt? Well, hey, you know what? After last year, I had absolutely zero goals. I hope to go five feet last year. I think from the interview I told you. <laughs> I was hoping to go five feet. That was my goal. And I think we wound up being, like, again, middle of the pack on that. I think we ran, like, 220 or something like that last year, if I'm not mistaken, or oh, something like that. very impressive run, yeah. <laughs> and you, so, you know what, man? After last year, slip pull doesn't really scare me. We did decent, not great. We're not going to be able to win that with our setup. But, again, if we can be competitive and be middle of the pack again, awesome. Why not? <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Okay, uh, what kind of advice do you have for guys in the qualifier that are looking to make it into this competition in the future years, or maybe newer listeners who are just starting to put builds together? Uh, what do you think would really help out? What's a good piece of advice for going to the UCC? Well, I would say my biggest piece of advice to those guys is it's not about how much horsepower you can make. It's about how reliable and durable that setup can be. A truck that makes 2,500 horsepower and doesn't make it to the first event doesn't prove anything. A truck that can make 1,000 or 1,500 horsepower, be competitive, and make it through all the events says a lot more than a truck that makes it through one event. So don't necessarily turn the wick up as much as you can. Back it off a little bit, be conservative, and make it to the weekend. Okay. I mean, that's we understand that here where we're at, and that's a philosophy that we live off of, you know, the driver, the experience, how you operate the vehicle. But it's not all about power, like you said, you know, and uh, this is a three-day event. This isn't a one-day, one-time-on-the-dyno-style event. So that's – I agree with that advice. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. There's so many other purpose-built trucks going to this competition. There's guys who are looking at huge, massive changes from one event to the next. There's guys who are literally just bringing three sets of tires. Uh, Tony Burkhardt's bringing a fucking lift. You know, so yeah. you can what? lift the truck. Oh, really? yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Guys, guys are stacked up now. Uh, guys are taking this very seriously. Guys are really, really pushing the level. And with it only being the third year of the Ultimate Callout Challenge, um, it'll be interesting to see who makes it. I mean, I think the big story from last year was disaster almost across the board. Yeah. Well, I think that and the fact that there are so many different dynamics, right? So the diesel industry as a whole, right? Yeah. But then you have all these different components right like two-wheel drive street trucks or two-wheel drive drag trucks or full-on you know tony burkhart's of the world sled pull you know expert then you have like the fire punks and the derrick roses where those trucks are drag trucks right like full-blown race trucks and then you bring all these guys 20 some guys and like hey battle it out let's see what you got yeah everybody go through all three events i mean that's why we love this competition so much right uh, what yeah, part of it are you looking for? I, oh, go ahead. If I may interrupt real quick, the another thing about the competition that's so great, and I just wanted to touch on this for one second, is the structure and the way this event is run by the guys at DPI Expo and UCC is absolutely second to none. And those guys deserve a lot more credit than probably what they're even getting, but this is by far the most professional run event that I have ever been around in this diesel industry, period. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, from somebody who's handling a little bit of like our planning side for calibrated power, it is a dream to work with them. Uh, it is a dream to set it up. And when you go to the show, I think it shows very clearly. What's also, I think, really cool is they've been so open to feedback. That's why the qualifiers yeah. are there, was to create a lot of different elements that they thought this needed as a long-term event, right? Like it, it's not just a a once a year thing like this is the whole year builds up to ucc right. i feel 
Uh, so it's great to see it, man. It's it's great to see this thing start to or continue to explode. Uh, Frank, for you, any predictions for results? Who do you think is going to be uh, first, second, and third? Wow. Uh, I've been a little out of the loop, kind of in a, my little burrow here working on this this project. But, uh, you know, LeVon over there, I mean, that setup's proven that it's pretty nasty, man. It's going to be pretty hard to beat that setup. Uh, he's got this format down pretty well. But, you know, Derek Rose, man, last year uh, he was right on nipping on his heels the entire time. So I want to put it past seeing Derek Rose coming in first, LeVon second, or vice versa. Third place, man, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Honestly, whoever doesn't break. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're definitely rooting for you here, Frank. Um, who do you want to give a shout-out to? Uh, I want to give a shout-out to the guys at uh, Midget's Diesel Performance who have worked with us on this build time and time out. Guys over at Steamless Diesel. And then uh, Eric Yost at Customs by Biggin, who's done all this fabrication work last second for us on this turbo setup. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing so uh, much time with our listeners. We certainly appreciate it. Guys, this has been Paul. And Chris. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out calibratedpower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTuner.com or Chris at CEHMK at DuramaxTuner.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Which just drives me nuts. I mean, my first instinct is I, I got to say something clever to this guy, make fun of his appearance or make fun of his car, but, but I refrained.